Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Good morning, how are you? Awesome, glad you're here. Uh, great to be with you this morning. I'm very excited to uh, share this message with you today. Uh, welcome to 2022. Uh, what a great way to start 2022 out, being in the house of God with the people of God, and we're so glad uh, that you are a part of it. Are you excited? Okay, very good. Now, did, did uh, many of you were here last week. Some of you weren't here last week. The ones that weren't here last week, did you at least watch the, the would you stay online? Did you stay connected on the podcast or on the, on the online or whatever? Because I, I don't have time to catch you up. We're in a brand new series um, called As For Me and My House. As For Me and My House. Uh, I'm not going to apologize for being aggressive in this series. Um, you get what you get. Uh, you guys have a pastor who was a professional fighter before I answered the call to ministry, and, um, I, and I'm not afraid of a fight. And we, as the people of God, are in a fight. We're in a fight. And guess what? We're not in a fight against our government. We're not in a fight against our school systems. We're not in a fight against anything that you would think that you would see in a tangible way with your actual eyes. We are in a life and death fight with a vicious, murderous, wicked, perverted enemy. His name is Lucifer, Satan, the devil, our adversary. He's very, very real. I've heard it said that the greatest trick he ever played was convincing us he doesn't exist. He's very real. If you believe in God and you believe in Jesus, you can't not believe that there's a devil and demons. There are many demons. You have demons assigned to you, assigned to you, got your number, your address, know where you live, know just what buttons to push, know just how to trip you up. They don't play the same trick on you that they play on other people. They know your own tricks. But guess what? They've already been defeated. They've already been defeated. Jesus has already defeated them. It's good news. And the beautiful thing is that, and we don't know how many demons there are, billions, a whole lot. I'm, I'm going to assume more than humans because God made an infinite number of, of, of angels and one third of them fell. The good news is two thirds of them are on our side. We're, we have them outnumbered. If you ever feel alone, you're not alone. You ever feel outnumbered, you're not outnumbered. There's proof. I have living proof that I have angels. It's that I have not died in a car accident. The way that I drive is proof that I have angels watching over me. Guys, I want to encourage you today. Today, I'm, I'm going to address a number of things. Um, I'm going to connect us to the plot or to a part of the story of Israel where Israel was taking territory. Israel had to fight to take the promise that God had reserved for them. There was a territory for them to have. There was a property. There was a land, a nation for them to become. But they didn't get it for free, and they didn't get it easy. They had to fight for it. And they were fighting against vicious, demonic foes that literally were devil worshipers, worshiped Satan, sacrificed humans, drank blood, did all kinds of things in their worship. 
If you think that America is wicked, if you think 2022 is wicked, all you have to do is go back a few centuries. Go back 500 years, go back 1,000 years, go back 2,000 years. See, the false demonic gods that have been worshipped throughout all of human existence are eternal beings. They're the same ones. They want the same type of worship. It shouldn't shock you when you hear rumors of satanic worship and satanic rituals. It's in your Bible. It's always been. It shouldn't shock you of high-level people in government positions all around the globe being connected to evil at the highest level. It's always been. It's not new. But there's a people that God has selected, a people that God has called, and he's called us to be a part of his military forces. You're called soldiers. You're called ambassadors. Your scriptures are full of terms that relate to warfare. It's called the good fight of faith. It's a spiritual fight. One of the mentors that I had many years ago said this often. If you can see them, they're not your enemy. Politician's not your enemy. A human's not your enemy. They may be manipulated by your enemy, but your enemy is spiritual, and your battle is spiritual. We have a spiritual fight that we must fight. Have you ever known anyone that played dirty? Like in sports, like, like just played dirty, real dirty, like a cheater. Uh, maybe in basketball, throwing elbows, trash talking, pulling your shorts down, doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, people that play dirty. You ever met someone that's a terrible loser? They'd rather cheat and break the rules than lose. That same person typically is a terrible winner. Because when they win, they're going to throw it in your face. You have the dirtiest of dirty when it comes to the enemy. When I was in my fighting career, there was one specific guy. I'm going to call him out. I hope he's watching online. Danny Dring, if you're watching, you need Jesus. Anyway, maybe he found Jesus by now. He's not a bad dude. He was just the dirtiest of dirty fighters you've ever met. And this guy, he was one of my instructor's best friends. And the dude was just dirty. And he, what made it hard is that he was 24 and I was 14. And, and he literally had tormented me since I was 12 years old, 13 years old. When I tested for my black belt, I had to fight as a 14-year-old, this 24-year-old man who beat me to a bloody pulp in front of my mom until I cried, and I was tough. And he, the whole time, he's like, do you want it, boy? Do you want it? Do you want it, boy? I mean, just beating me. And I'm fighting, and I'm clawing, and I'm scratching, and I'm bleeding. And he beat me until I said, no, I don't want it anymore. Until he broke me in front of 200 people. And he smiled and laughed and gave me a hug and walked off. That guy. Well, by the time I turned 18, I was in the men's division. He's now 28, he's in his prime. He's one of the top guys in the Federation. But now I'm a grown man. And we're trying out for the US team, and he's there. 
And this guy, when I say dirty, I'm talking he would work the angles with the judges to where he would move around where the judge couldn't see what he was doing, and then he would kick you where you're not allowed to kick you. And he would grab and pull and yank and do all these cheating things and play dirty the whole time. And his theme, his actual motto was, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Well, it was one of the greatest days of my life in Little Rock, Arkansas, spent an entire week working out. The master instructors paired me to fight with this guy, Danny Drink. And it was the first time as a 18, almost 19-year-old young man, I looked at this guy and I said, not anymore. And I whooped the stuffing out of this 28-year-old man as an 18-year-old with all the masters watching. And this guy was so angry and he was so embarrassed because... I learned to play his game. See, you're not going to defeat the enemy being a dove. Jesus said, be gentle as a dove and be shrewd as a serpent. As believers, we're called to learn how to qualify a moment and recognize if we are to be Gentle like a dove or shrewd like a serpent. And I got to tell you, fellow believers in Jesus, there are times that you have to be snaky. No amens there, huh? <laughs> Nobody likes this part. But you're going to deal with slippery, sneaky, perverted, disgusting individuals who are being ruled by their demonic gods that they worship, whether they know they worship them or not. I'm going to prove to you in Scripture. And if you don't learn how to be shrewd, how to have a little venom, how to be a tough cookie, you're going to get chewed up and spit out in this world. Jesus was not a wuss. Jesus was tough. Jesus took a beating and was marred. His visage, his, to look at him, the scriptures say he was so marred that he was unrecognizable as a human. And he still picked up that cross and carried it up the mountain for you. Jesus was tough. He was tough. He wasn't a wuss. And he understood that he was dealing with snakes. Oh, Jesus had a smart mouth. You read your Bible? You need to read your Bible and recognize the attitude that Jesus had in many situations. Oh, he had a smart mouth. He was quick. You couldn't pull one over on Jesus. Jesus always got the last word and left people speechless. Didn't know what to do with him because he was too smart, too quick, putting people in their places. Speaking to the highest powers in the nation and leaving them without an answer. As for me and my house, if you're truly going to serve the Lord, if your house is truly going to be a representation of what Jesus has called it to be, you're going to have to learn to be bold and courageous with God's word. Bold and courageous with God's word. God's word 
is everything for us. Why? Because God is his word. The scriptures describe Jesus as being the very word of God. Jesus is the creative essence of God. When God spoke, let there be light, he released Jesus, the author of creation, through whom everything that is, is, and was, and is held together. The entire universe is held together in Jesus. The Bible says, that's, what's, that's wild, right? This universe that's ever-expanding actually exists inside of God. The scriptures say, in him we live and move and have our being. We live in him. We exist in him. Everything that is, that is, is in him. It's too many is's right there. <laughs> Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, the secret to the nation of Israel's success was given to Joshua in his very first instructions from God. Moses has now died. Joshua 1 verse 5, God is now speaking to Joshua, who was Moses' number two guy. Joshua was with Moses everywhere Moses went. When Moses went up the mountain, Joshua went with him. When Moses was writing the scriptures, Joshua was helping. Joshua was with him everywhere he went. He was his aide. He was his assistant. He was his right-hand guy. He was his associate pastor. Always with him. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, God says. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all of the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For when you will make, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What an incredible passage. What an incredible verse. Somebody should, should write that out and stick it on their mirror. Somebody should take that and put it before you so you see it every single day of your life that God is with you and he's going before you. And just like he was with the greatest of the greats in the faith throughout all eternity, he is with you also. And the secret for your success is that you observe everything that's inside of the book of his law. If you want to be prosperous, if you want to be successful, if you want to be victorious if you want to overcome the enemy the number one instruction if you have to go to war if you have to go to battle if you're going to take territory the number one thing is do not let this depart from you observe every part of it keep it in front of your eyes keep it on your hands keep it in your mouth talk about it everywhere you go if you want to have success your bible god's word is everything Forget motivational speakers. If it doesn't match up with this, it's junk. This is my first Bible. 
The date in it says 1974. Great year for wine. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just joking. Maybe it was. This is, this is the first Bible that I was given. I was, I was one. And um, I had it my whole life. And when I was 17, and I'm sitting in court on my birthday, I got arrested because I thought I was such a good driver that I needed to challenge. We didn't have video games at the time, so I thought it'd be more <laughs> challenging if I drove impaired. And um, got arrested and had a bad day, had a bad experience, had a bad year, I'm going to say. And I'm sitting in court on my birthday, 17th birthday, realizing how much I'm screwing up my life. I remember going home from that. My car had gotten impounded. My license revoked. Had like 100 hours of, of, of public whatever service that I had to do, picking up trash in downtown Tulsa. Picking up trash in downtown Tulsa in February is not fun. It's not fun at all. But I remember coming home from that court date and realizing that I needed to change my life for real. And, and, and every morning I looked across the breakfast table at my dad, Ken Scrivener, and I watched him the same every single day of my life with his Bible open and his cup of coffee, reading the Proverbs, reading the Psalms, trying to talk to me about the Bible every single day. And, and, and I had been like, yeah, 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 Pops, yeah, yeah, yeah. I called him Pops because I was rebellious. Uh, it was a jab. But my dad loved me so much. Oh, I wasn't going to tell this story. My dad loved me so much that he even took my attempts to push him away and embraced them as terms of endearment. See, we, we, we have this perception of God that he's so petty, that if we pray wrong, we say the wrong thing, if we have any moment of weakness or doubt, I, I was raised in, in the super faith, charismania, name it and claim it, uh, you know, super, I mean, bulletproof, crazy faith. I was raised in all of that. And you had to pray just the right way and say just the right words and believe just the right thing. And, and, and once you plant that seed of faith, you don't dare go ever doubt it or then you dug up your faith, you got to start all, I mean, all these things I was taught. But when I experienced the true love of God for the very first time, really experienced it, is when I was sitting in that police station at 2 a.m., showing up in a trash can. My dad walks in, sees me, takes one look at me. He didn't say any of the things I thought he'd say. I was expecting, you're such a disgrace. How could you do this to your mother and I? I was expecting, you're such a disappointment. Nobody said. He looked at me and he said, I failed you as a father. He turned and walked out. And I remember being in that state, in my heart going, no, it's not you, it's not you. It's not you, it's me. I, I hadn't told my parents what I was dealing with. I hadn't told them about the child abuse from my cousin. I hadn't told them about the internal battles that I was dealing with. They had no idea what had happened to their sweet little guy. 
But I was in a fight because there was a wicked devil that stole my innocence when I was five years old through a male cousin that affected my life for a decade or two. When he said those words to me, I failed you as a father. What he didn't realize is that he showed me in that moment a love of God that I'd never felt before. A love that would look at the failure of an individual and say, this is my responsibility. I'm taking all of it. And it was that next morning, I remember looking at my dad, seeing him the same as I did every single, every single day with his Bible, his coffee. I remember sitting at the table going, I'm going to be just like him. I want to be a man of God just like him. I don't want to ruin my life anymore. It was the example of my dad living a life in the word of God. It changed me forever. See, Satan's, Satan's attack, his game is always the same. His attack is always the same. He has one trick. He has one ploy. Now, he, he manifests it different ways to affect different people, to, to push the specific buttons that you have. I mean, some, there, there are certain people that would never, ever, ever be tempted to rob a bank. The devil never, never gets me to think, I'm, I'm at the bank, he never ever do I ever go, man, I could knock this place over so easy. I, I, it's never been a thought. It's not, it's not my button. He knows a different button for me. He knows what button for you too. I, I've never one time been tempted. Oh man, if I could just get that heroin and shoot it up in my veins. Oh, woo. Never. Dude, I almost passed out this week giving blood. I'm like, you help me, give me a Gatorade or something. I can't take a needle in my vein. It freaks me out. I'm not afraid of needles. I just don't like them in my veins. It's weird. His game's always the same, though. Since the very first interaction, you take this, this little children's Bible with pictures in the front of it. Jesus with the little lamb in his arms. As a 17-year-old, I was so desperate. I tried to read other Bibles. It sounded like Chinese. I, I couldn't understand any of it. This, these, and thous, and henceforth, and hitherto's, and Shakespearean language. I couldn't understand it. And I was so desperate to know God that I grabbed the Bible I got when I was a baby. And I carried this Bible to church. I'm a 17-year-old national champ fighter carrying a children's Bible to church. Didn't care what anyone thought because I wanted to know Jesus. I wanted to know Jesus. And he met me there. First interaction between Satan and humans. Satan, he laid his whole plot out. It's the same one every time. Did God really say, he said to Eve, did God really say this? He sowed a seed of doubt. He sowed a seed of fear. God's just playing a trick on you. God, God is deceiving you. He's not, you're not really going to die if you eat this fruit. And through semantics, through clever language, he talked Eve and then Adam out of their promise of eternal life on earth. He sowed a seed of doubt. He came against God's word. It's the same trick every time. 
You remember when Jesus was baptized with water by his cousin John the Baptist? He comes out, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. He was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't just come upon him. The Holy Spirit says came upon him and remained. Remained on him. The scripture says that, that Jesus, once that moment happened where he was a human being, he was born of God through a virgin, but he's a human being, and when the Spirit came and landed upon him and filled him, the scripture says that he was filled with the entire fullness of all of the deity of God inside of his physical bodily form. You have Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You don't have all of it. You don't have all of all of it. We share it. We, we share Jesus. You are called a shareholder, a partaker of his divine nature. You have a portion. You have a portion of Jesus. You have a portion of his spirit. That's why we need each other. That's why you can't just stay home and watch online only. You got to come too. Because we need each other. And there's a Holy Spirit that's in you, Chris, that I need. There's a Holy Spirit that's in you, Charlie, that I need. There's strength that's in you, Nate, that I need. Pamela, that I need. Jessica, that I need. There's something in you that I need that makes me better. You're not the church by yourself. You are just a stone. You're, if this was a rock, you're one rock. You're just a stone. And you're only the church when you're together in unison underneath the spiritual leadership and authority of God that he calls you to. That's what makes you the church. Now, if you're stuck alone on a desert island somewhere and you're going to be there for the rest of life, I guess you and your multiple personalities that you develop can be the church. <laughs> but until then, you need people. That's why it says one can put 1,000 to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight. It's why it says where any of you gather two or three together that he'll be there in your midst and whatever you ask will be done for you. It's why Jesus always sent his disciples out in small groups. Because we need each other. We need each other. Look, I, I, I know how to fight. But, but, but if I have to get into a fight, I want Mike there. And I want Joel there. And I, and I, want, I want Chris there because Chris got a pretty serious arsenal. I definitely want my buddy John there. I, I got people I want to have my back with me. I can fight on my own, but I want backup. Plus, I need someone to get the camera out and get some good video. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> Satan's attempts are always the same. What did he do to Jesus? Jesus is now, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes out into the wilderness. He's led, Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit. His first act led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. No food, no water for 40 days. Unbelievable. And there, what does the devil say to him? First thing the devil says to him, if you are the son of God, you turn these rocks into bread. You're awful hungry. If you are the son of God, turn these rocks into bread. Do you remember the last thing that God had said to Jesus when the Holy Spirit descended upon him and there was an audible voice? Do you remember what the audible voice said? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The very thing that the audible voice of God had said to Jesus that a multitude of people had heard, some of them could hear the voice of God because they were tuned to the spirit of God. Other people heard thunder in the skies. But the first thing the devil says is, 
if you're really the son of God, he contract, he goes contrary to the thing that God had said. The devil has one trick. One trick. To confuse your mind and steer you away from the wisdom of God's word. It's his only trick. The scriptures are very clear, though. In the book of 1 Corinthians, there's a number of different mentions where Paul is describing from the voice of God that the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. The greatest scientists of this world, the wisest educators, the most brilliant strategists of this world that deny Jesus, that deny God, it's foolishness. Their wisdom is foolishness. Because there's only one truth, and it's God's truth. One of the phrases of this, this, this era that I hate more than probably any other, fra other phrase is, live your truth. Oh, I have many words that only have four letters for that kind of a statement. I, <laughs> just, just, you just live your truth. You don't get your own truth. There's only one truth. The truth is a person. His name is Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Can I tell you science is not the truth? There's another one I hate. Follow the science. By its very niche, science means to know. It comes from the word gnosis. It's the, it's the study of trying to learn things. But if you know anything about science, you know that it changes all the time. You do, you do know that, right? I mean, cigarettes used to be good for you. Right? They used to be good for you. It's something that, that doctors would recommend. The science changes. What makes the truth the truth? It never changes. It never changes. See, that's one of the actual definitions of the truth. It's unchanging. Jesus is the only thing. God is the only thing that's unchanging. Your government's not the truth. Your colleges are not the truth. Your media sources are not the truth. There's one truth. And anything that does not line up with that one truth, Jesus, the truth of his word, the truth of who he is, anything that does not line up with that is subject to change. Do you know one of the definitions of a lie? Something that's subject to change. Something that's untrue. The truth cannot change. The truth is always the truth. Now, I'm not anti-science. I love science. I'm one of my favorite subjects in, in high school and college, and I love science. But the beautiful thing is that true science adds up with the Bible. See, this Bible right here, and this is my next point, you have to stand up for God's word. You have to stand up for God's word. Stop being embarrassed to God's word. Stop thinking that somebody with some, but a whole bunch of certificates on their wall because they went to Princeton or Yale or some kind of fancy school. Guess what? Those people can be idiots. Right. Tons of degrees, morons. Because they have a few, they have a futile mind. I'm going to show you in a minute. Their wisdom is foolishness. Lots of education taught by idiots. Just because you have a lot of intelligence doesn't mean you're smart. You ever known that guy? Knows everything about everything except anything that matters. So this is, 
This is my second Bible. I got this Bible after this Bible. And if you could look at this, this I can't read this Bible anymore because, <laughs> because I read it so much and every single page of this Bible has colors and lines and notes and I could flip through it and show you place after place after place, the whole thing full of my notes, my writings, because it was the number one thing in my life, any success that I have in my life, anything I've accomplished anywhere in my life, it's because I have this inside of me. It's because I have this inside of me. I've devoured it. My whole, my whole worldview is based on it. Nothing anyone can tell me if it's contrary to this worldview. I don't give it any credence or value or credit. To stand up for God's word. Our government did not create quarantine. It's in your Bible. Quarantine's in your Bible. You know who they quarantine? Sick people. Not healthy people. Doesn't matter about your status, your vaccination status. Listen, do what you have the faith to do. If, if God is calling you and communicating you to you to get a vaccine, then in faith, obey God. But if you're doing it out of fear, can I, can, I, can I tell you the Bible real quick? Anything you do out of fear is sin. We are to be called to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Fear is anti-faith. If you do anything out of fear, it's not in faith. Now, I understand we have a, a basic sense inside of our body, and fear is actually a good thing for you to sense fear. Fear helps to protect you in, in moments of danger, in certain situations. But if you allow fear to rule your life, you will not please God. Because faith is what it takes to, to please God. So if God is leading you to follow a certain medical path, then by all means, walk out your life in faith. If by faith you feel like you're not supposed to get a vaccine, by all means, obey God and live your life by faith. And everyone just love everybody. Love everybody. Let them live by faith in their way. But love everybody. It's, 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 it's enough, enough, enough of this stupid division over stuff. I mean, if, if we just, if we allowed the scientific community up until 400 years ago, the scientific community believed that death was in the blood. So if you were sick, they would drain your blood out. You know what the Bible says? Life is in the blood. The scientific community will always change. They'll always flip-flop. They'll always falter. They'll always have new discoveries. Your faith has to be based on something true and unchanging. I'm not saying don't listen to doctors. Listen to doctors, but get multiple opinions. And I would encourage you to find doctors that, that are anchored in the truth. I would encourage you to find leaders of any expertise that are anchored in the truth. Why? Because they have a different type of mind. I'm going to show you. Is this too intense? Look, I'm not making any political statements today at all. I'm making kingdom statements. I'm making kingdom statements. We must live by faith. Live according to the faith that you have. 
That's what Paul said. Live up to the faith that you have. Whatever level of faith you have, live up to that faith. We live by faith, not by fear. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why don't you say that? Say that out loud. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a wicked antichrist force at work in this world that wants you to be embarrassed of your views. Wants you to be embarrassed that you believe a book that's 2,000 years old, 4,000 years old. Wants you to be embarrassed that you have an archaic belief system that isn't caught up with modern science. When modern science changes at the drop of a hat, every other week they're telling us something different. And this never changes. Never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every field. Did you understand? You need to understand this. This book, your Bible, the most scientifically, scientifically, the way that they, uh, the, the way that they figure and they test ancient, ancient documents, they have an entire system of how they test and prove the authenticity and the veracity of ancient documents. Of every ancient document on the planet, this is the most scientifically accurate and proven and meticulously protected and preserved ancient document on the planet. Period. Period. But you'll believe Homer's Odyssey, the Iliad, writings of Plato, but not this. When, when, when this is the one that's proven more than any other, protected more than any other, 66 books, 40 different authors from 13 different countries on three different continents over a span of 1,600 years, right in their own way, at their own time, in their own era, the Bible says, carried along by the Holy Spirit. And all of it reads together as if written by one writer. Anybody, do we have any, any readers in the place? Any readers? Everyone knows that an author has a voice. And you, you find an author and you just love their voice and you'll read their book after book after book after book because you love their voice. I would challenge you to find 40 authors over the span of 1,600 years from three continents and 13 different nations that have the exact voice. This book right here, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's God's word. God's word. Can I read that passage to you? I'm going to explain a whole lot to you. I'm going to do something. I'm going to show you something a little shocking in a moment. Because my goal today is to uncover the enemy. To uncover the enemy. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith. From first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Watch now. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the, godless, all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They're anti-Bible, anti-Christ, 
anti-God's truth. They suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since that we may know about all that we may know about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that the people are without excuse. Watch. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Another translation says that God turned them over to vain imaginations. Why did he turn them over? Because even though his invisible qualities were, were very uh, visible and proven and his eternal power and divine nature had been clearly seen, they chose to neither glorify him as God nor give thanks to him. So he turned them over to futile thinking, vain imaginations, and their hearts were darkened. Watch, it gets worse. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal. Human being and birds and animals and reptiles, therefore God gave them over to their sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity. So the crime was that they refused to recognize God as the creator and give him worship, and instead they chose to look at nature, creation, and follow science, and worship creation, and the knowledge that they could find in creation, the mysteries that they could find in creation, they were actually the mysteries and the things that proved God is the creator. They rejected the creator, they rejected the truth, and instead they worshiped the created. And so the penalty was God turned them over to futile thinking, foolish minds, darkened hearts. It literally says in a moment that their minds became depraved. And they began to desire in their hearts for sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Watch, this is the origin of sexual sin. I'm not going to be graphic. If you have children here, I'm not going to be graphic. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served creating things rather than the creator for whoever uh, praised, who is forever praised him. And because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. That would be sexually transmitted diseases. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, watch, God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. This passage, God's word, gives the origin of homosexuality, what we call in our, in our age the LGBTQ, all the other letters now, movement. If you think that's progress, you are sorely mistaken. It's regress. It's the, it's the original perversion. The original perversion. Now look, this isn't any hate against I have friends 
That, and I have friends and I have people that I love, deeply love, that that's their lifestyle. And, and you can come up with all the scientific reasons of why that might be their lifestyle. But what we know is science changes and the truth does not. You see, up until a, a decade ago, still in textbooks, gender dysphoria was a psychosis, a mental sickness. And now it's celebrated. I'm going to show you in a minute why it's celebrated. But it comes from rejecting God, worshiping creation, choosing science, the study of natural things, over-worship of the creator who made all the natural things. So God turns people over to a futile mind, vain imaginations, foolish thinking, what he calls a depraved mind. Because they reject the truth. And the result of it is perversity. The enemy always engages perversity. What is perverse? Perverse means to twist. Twisted. Twisted. This specific sexual perversion that we're discussing according to the scripture here. And, and guys, can I, can, I, can, I, can I tell you something? If we don't stand up as believers, there will be a day that reading your Bible will be hate speech. better stand up for the word of God you better not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ Look, this isn't a hate message I love 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 people you know why I love them so much because when I was molested at five or six it was so traumatic that I buried it in my subconscious I buried it in my psyche and I didn't remember it happened my behavior changed it affected me in a massive way, but I had no memory of it happening. Until I was 11, 12, and a kid across the street started trying to mess with me. And when that happened, I began to have dreams. And in my dreams, if you are old enough to remember what 8mm film used to look like, how the, the burnt edges, they were all like it was the film, and then as it got out to the edges, it would kind of burn out in reds and oranges and yellows. In my dream, I was seeing like a movie this scene playing out in my bedroom as a kid. And I dreamed the same dream night after night after night after night. And finally, one night I woke up and I realized it wasn't a dream. It was a memory of what my cousin had done to me. And I had a rage and a hatred that came over me. A violent spirit that came over me. Because my innocence, my masculinity was stolen. The voice of the enemy in my ear, this is who you are, Joel. This is what you're going to be, Joel. This is your future, Joel. You're going to do the same thing, Joel. You're going you're to be just as twisted, Joel. This is good. That's the stuff that the enemy does in your mind. And I have a super soft spot, and I've ministered, and I've loved tons and tons and tons of people that battle through this issue, and I genuinely, deeply love them. Genuine with all my heart, because most of them, I'm going to go out on a limb and say 90-something percent of them have an experience like I did as a child, and the enemy worked their brain over for decades until they finally caved to an identity that wasn't 
the identity that Jesus gave them. It wasn't the identity of the creator. It wasn't the created way. It's a twist. It's a perversion of the created way. Why? How do I know this? Because God created man and woman to procreate. And all of nature paints a picture of procreation for life. And when you twist creation and when you twist God's plan, you take away the number one thing that God told man is be fruitful and multiply. Procreate. Make more. Be like me. It's an antichrist movement. An anti-God movement. And it's not, prog- it's not progressive. It's not new. It's ancient. It goes back to the beginning of mankind. It's all through Greek history, Egyptian history, every ancient, every ancient history. It's all through it. It's not progress. Don't believe the lie. It's regress. It's the same plan that has destroyed, destroyed cultures, completely destroyed cultures, because it's an anti-Christ plan. I'm going to show you a picture that's shocking. In fact, it's so shocking that we had to censor it because it was too graphic. I'm going to show you a, a picture, an illustration of what for hundreds of years Satan has been depicted as and worshipped as. And it's not just it. Can you put that up there? You have that available for me? And I'm going to show you this because it's shocking. I want you to remember. This is a picture of of Lucifer. Uh, it's, It's hundreds of years old. In satanic temples, they make statues of this. The reason there's a bar across the center of it is because this is an X rated image of a male being that also has female anatomy. He's transgendered. This is the image they worship. These are the idols that they create. For hundreds of years, longer, high-level Freemasons, Satanists, occultists, on his arms, there's a tattoo. It says, Solve et coagula. It means dissolve and reassemble. The enemy wants to dissolve the truth of God and reassemble it according to his own creation. The enemy is not a creator, he's a counterfeiter. He has no power to create, he only has power to deceive and twist. And counterfeit. The agenda that we're seeing in our modern era is ancient. It's the plot of the enemy. And there are people that are victims of it. My heart goes out to them. And I'll love them and I'll invite them to church. They may not come back after this one, but I'll love them anyway. And I'll invite them back to church. And, and, and I have people, and I've worked with couples, married couples that are, that are homosexual. And they're like, are we allowed to be a part of your church? I said, absolutely. I want you to be a part of my church. Please come and be a part of our church. I said, but no, I'm going to preach the whole Bible. And you've got to know that I'm going to preach the whole Bible. And I'm going to love you through it. And you're going to get to love me through it. And I'm going to ask you one thing. That you give Jesus Christ the lordship of every single area of your life, including your sexuality. Jesus is, listen, 
No matter what you are or who you are or what you believe, if you're going to believe in Jesus, he's the Lord of every part of your body, including your sexuality. And if you are a husband or a wife in a heterosexual relationship, he better be the God of your sexuality, the Lord of your sexuality, or you'll destroy your life. You'll destroy your life. It's not picking on anybody. It's the same. It applies for all of us. He's got to be the Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. Those who reject God... As creator, the Bible says, have depraved minds. You can take that image down. Those who have rejected God have depraved minds. They can't see the truth. They think you're a fool. Let me ask you a question. If there was someone that wanted to mentor your child who was depraved, Perverse, anti-God, anti-Christ, thought the Bible was foolishness, had a perverse lifestyle, would you let them mentor your child? Okay. Then why do we let them mentor us? When we watch every news channel, every Hollywood's you guys understand? The news is run by perverse people that are anti-God, anti-Christ. Not all of them. I'm sure there's some good ones in there. And if you're in the industry, please stay in the industry and win that sucker over. Academia, lots of perverse stuff going on in academia. Doesn't mean all teachers are bad. There's wonderful teachers, wonderful teachers and, and, and people that are inside of academia, they're inside of this congregation and with us online. God bless you, we love you, but you've got to admit there's some wicked stuff going on inside of academia. Hollywood, oh my God. And, and we're going to take advice from Hollywood people that are on their seventh marriage? Don't know what they believe? Depraved minds, guys. They can be massively intelligent but if they reject God as the creator, they have a depraved mind. And they can't be your mentor. Uh, can I tell you that this fast, we're one week into the fast. If you haven't started with us, you can start today. Uh, I'm doing some dietary things, but the number one most wonderful thing I'm doing is I'm fasting the news. Oh my God, was it hard? Because, I mean, I, my phone is just scroll, scroll, scroll. I mean, just what's going on? What's going on now? What's, it, it's such an addiction to know what's going on now. There's a statement. It's called ignorance is bliss. You remember that? Remember when we were ignorant? When we didn't know what was going on and we could just be happy? Interesting, interesting, interesting that the choice in the Bible between the tree of life, the tree of life was there in the center of the garden, and the instruction was, don't touch the other tree. Leave the other tree to me, God said. You can eat the tree of life and live forever. Just don't touch this tree right here. You know what the name of that tree was? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Guys, we are slaves to knowledge. Slaves to knowing, to knowing, to knowing. I'm going to trip you out one more time. You know in the Bible where it talks about how the sin of witchcraft, talks about the sin of witchcraft, 
You know what the word for witchcraft is in the Bible? Pharmakeo. Pharmaceuticals. And let that one sink in. Better be full of God's word. Better be full of God's word. Better be full of God's word. We wonder how David was a man after God's own heart. Psalms chapter 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his, cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalms 119 is your instructions for this week. It's your charge for this week. It's the largest book in the Bible. It's the biggest, longest book in the whole Bible. Psalms 119. It's in the very center of your Bible. It's so long, David writes a poem, he writes a song, and, and he uses the entire alphabet, like, like A has its whole section, and then B has its whole section, and C has its whole section, and if it was our alphabet, it'd be 26 letters, and every single one of them has an entire chorus about how amazing the Word of God is, and how he's built his entire life on the Word of God, and all of his, all of his love goes towards the Word of God. If we could just learn how to love the Word of God like David loved the Word of God, maybe we too could have a heart after God's own heart. God's word is life. God's word is life. I'm going to give you a few practical things. Number one, replace the garbage with the good news. Stop listening to the bad news 24-7. Take the IV out. Turn the social media junk off. I'm not saying you could never do it, but treat it like a dessert. Just a small portion there's this restaurant in Plano called Seasons 52. I love that restaurant because the desserts are like this big. That's it. That's all you get. You go to other places, it's like, listen, if all you eat is dessert, you will die earlier. You have to eat healthy. And if you fill yourself up on garbage, 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 and I understand some people, your work, you're forced, you're a garbage collector. It's your job. You have, to be, you have to be in the weeds. You have to be in the mud. I get it. But you better eat some healthy stuff. You better fill yourself up with healthy stuff. You better get the good news. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Do you know what gospel means? It means good news. I'm not ashamed of the good news. We got plenty of bad news going on. We need the good news. Replace the garbage with good news. Habits aren't broken. They're replaced. God's word is life. Every single day of your life. I'm going I'm to encourage you with this. This is what I'm doing right now. Anytime I'm tempted, it's such a habit just to grab your phone and flip, just grab your phone and flip it, and touch that app and scroll this and scroll that and Pinterest this. I don't Pinterest. That's for girls. And they, all this different stuff. <laughs> scroll, scroll, scroll. It's such an addiction. They designed it to be an addiction. You understand that? They made it. The algorithms are set. They're, they're, they're scientifically programmed to function in a manner that makes you crave for them worse than cocaine, worse than any drug, your cell phone. So what, how I've replaced it is every time I nervously reach for my phone and grab it and swipe it up and am tempted to look at the news, tempted to look at the next thing, tempted to whatever, I click the Bible app every time. And I'm replacing the habit with God's word. How long do I read, Joel? Until you get something. Till, till I get something. Till, till he shows me something. If it takes me one minute, if it takes me 20 minutes. My, my, my Bible didn't look like this. My Bible didn't get to look like this. 
because I was playing magic finger. My Bible came to look like this because I said, God, I want to know you. And I would read it and read it and reread it and reread it and read it and reread it and read it and read it and reread it and reread it and read it and reread it and read it and read it. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Until it was written on my heart. Until it's so ingrained with who I am. Until it started coming out of me, pouring out of me. I was a businessman that was pastoring every person I met. That never wanted to be a pastor, but I pastored everyone I met. And one day my mother-in-law over here said, Joel, you know what? You would be a really great youth pastor. And I'm like, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> I didn't call her Satan. She's not Satan. I'm just quoting Jesus. But I couldn't run from the call of God in my life. I just want to encourage you. We talk about so much junk, so much garbage. Sports, news, movies, entertainment, fashion. We talk about junk, 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 junk. You know the number one thing that the Israelites were instructed? Never let the word of God depart from your mouth. What if your only goal was, I'm going to read my Bible every day until I have something to talk about. And then I'm going to find someone today that I can talk about that with. Call up a friend, hey, can I, can I tell you what I read today? Can you, just, can you just listen for three minutes? I want to share with you what I read. You know, you know that's how I learned to preach? Call a buddy. Hey, can I tell you what I read? Can I share with you what I learned today? Guys, I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't go to seminary. I was taught by the Holy Spirit. I was the 17, 18-year-old college student that was late for college classes because I was caught up in my prayer time. Spending an hour and a half, two hours a day in my prayer time and in reading the Bible because I was so addicted to the truth and knowledge of God's word. Guess what happened? I began to succeed in every single area of my life. Every area of my life. I could barely get good grades in high school. I couldn't, I couldn't, you ever had the situation, the scenario where you read something and you can't remember what you read? That every standardized test, every test I took in high school, I could never finish a test because my reading comprehend. I could read, I just couldn't comprehend it. And I would have to read three, four, five, six times through to understand what was there. But when I started reading the Word of God, God healed that. And in college, I had a 3.8. In high school, I had a 2.9. And I was able to rapidly do things and learn because God healed my mind through His Word. He's given you the mind of Christ, the scripture says. He's given you the mind of Christ. You can put on Christ Jesus. His thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are higher than your ways. But he's given you the mind of Christ. He's making your thoughts like his thoughts. He's making your ways like his ways. But you've got to get in the word. You've got to get it in you. I've taken enough of your time. Let me pray for you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this honor to lead such a beautiful body of people that love you, that are committed to you. Father, you're calling us, you're calling us to a new level of dedication to your word, a new level of dedication to your truth. To not just follow along with opinions of people that reject you, 
that when it comes to you and your truth are completely depraved, may be smart, may be intelligent, may know certain things about certain things, but when it comes to your word and the truth that is life, they're depraved. Father, help us to hear your voice and to know your word and to follow you and live your truth. It's only your truth. We can only live your truth. We don't get our own. It's your truth. Father, we repent for filling ourselves up with garbage. We repent for filling ourselves up with junk. Father, we make a commitment today to your word. Draw us into your word. Draw us into your word. If there's anybody here today that needs to get right with God, I don't want to miss this moment. You want to get right with God. You've been off the track. You've been far away. You've been living your own life. You've been your own Lord. Jesus has not been your Lord. You've been in charge of your own life. But today, God is calling you back. Today's your day. He's calling you back. This is your day to say yes to Jesus. Right now, wherever you are, just say yes right now. Say yes right now. Say yes right now. Pray this prayer with you. Say, Father, today, cross the room, pray this prayer. Father, today, I give my life to you. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. I will not follow another. I believe you rose from the dead, and I give you my life today. I will live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.